We are so glad you could join us again today on Grace to Stand. George and I are in the middle of a series of, of topical conversations through uh, the topic of worship, and we've been uh, discussing some of the forms and circumstances and ultimately the elements of worship, uh, the elements, the forms of circumstances of worship and just the heart of worship over the last few weeks. But we want to get into uh, some of the some uh, of the more um, specific aspects of worship as we uh, as we move on into today's podcast. And today we're going to talk a little bit about the preaching of the word of God. And and that may sound like a topic that, well, you know, this is a this is a, a podcast today for those who are called to be preachers, and for those of us who are just members of the congregation, the, it doesn't pertain to us quite as much. But the the preaching of the Word of God is is really one of the means of grace. It's one of the means by which God grows us in the grace and knowledge of Christ, and 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 faith is bred in us as we hear the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, and so. Uh, that is why in Second uh, Timothy chapter four that Paul instructs Timothy to preach the word because he wants that congregation to be equipped uh, with the word and have that word just uh, woven down into the level of their bone marrow. So uh, that's what uh, George and I wanted to discuss today. And uh, and as we sort of launch into this discussion. I wanted to turn our attention to the Directory of the Public Worship of God. Now, uh, you should know, uh, those of you who are familiar with the Westminster Confession and the the shorter and larger catechisms, that that was not the only document that came out of the Westminster Assembly. They also produced a few more documents, one of which being the Directory of the Public Worship of God. And one of the um, sections of that directory includes the preaching of the Word. And I just want to read one paragraph from that, and it says this. It says that the preaching of the Word, the power of God unto salvation, is indispensable in the public worship of God. It is therefore a matter of supreme importance that the minister preach only the word of God, not the wisdom of man, and that he handle the word of God correctly, always setting forth Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. In the sermon, God addresses the congregation by the mouth of his servant, through his spirit, and opens the ears of his people. So, George, as we... Uh, move into this topic of the preaching of the word, what are some of your thoughts with regard to that paragraph, that statement, and just preaching in general? Yes, Darren, thanks. So as you as you said in the beginning there, I mean, we view this as one of the ordinary means of grace. And I think in the Christian world today, and this has always honestly been the case, people want signs. You remember them always asking Jesus for, for signs. Mm -hmm. What sign do you do? There was not enough signs that he can do. And, and there's a tendency in our, in our day and age today to want the same thing, to want to see the miraculous. And, and I'm all for that. I've seen miracles. I, I believe in, in miracles. And there are times when God shows up in extraordinary ways. But the, the teaching of Scripture and part of the Reformed tradition, Reformed faith, part of recovering of the great doctrine of the word is that God works through ordinary means mm -hmm. and it's through the foolishness of preaching. Paul says in first Corinthians one and two, 
and and that is and that's the preaching of the the gospel the preaching of the cross the preaching of the word Jesus Christ is the word and so i think every pastor now nah, that's that's too hyperbolic but mm-hmm. i think a, a most most people go into ministry because they want to preach mm-hmm. and and maybe that's just wrong uh may, maybe that's not actually true maybe pastoral ministry but you know there is a sense in our day and age where you know, I, I had somebody, and I've seen this in churches, where church, instead of having church on Sunday, they got they met at church, they prayed, and then they all launched out into the community and did outreach. And I think that's a misplaced, it, it's a good, there's some good motivation there, but it's misplaced because we come to be fed. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Uh, Christ says that at his temptation. That is from Deuteronomy, which is a reflection on the Exodus. So God gave them physical food, manna in the wilderness, to teach them that man shall not live by bread alone. So there's this connection between the physical and the spiritual Mm -hmm. and what we really Mm -hmm. need. And so we have to recover in, in our day the power of the preaching of the word and in in to your specific question and what you just read in the directory of worship it's not my words it's not your words it's not the pastor's words that are supposed to drive the sermon now certainly there is a contextualization part i mean i have a personality and my personality comes out in my preaching i have a certain grammar i use and so there's there's certain ways I'll phrase things that that is unique to me, perhaps stylistically, but it is the word that I'm leaning on, standing on, and and guiding on and preaching on. And mm-hmm. so often when I'm struggling to prepare a sermon, and it's almost like, well, I'm just going to stick with the word. Yes, you always got to stick with the word. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. And then I preach the sermon and I hear like, Oh, that was so powerful. And I'm like, it's just the word, you know, there's, and I, I love when, I love when God hamstrings me in my, I know we need illustration and application and that's part of, that's part of the preaching. But if your own, if your sermon only had one thing, exposition and explanation needs to be what's guiding everything. Mm-hmm. And then from that application and illustration can, can flow. But sometimes I think preachers lean so heavily on application and illustration that they lose what it is they're illustrating and applying. Right. And so those are, those are, that's a mouthful of initial, initial thoughts there. Yeah. They feel like maybe perhaps they feel like they're going to bore people with the, the details of the text. But I mean, I think that is very important. And, and um, I mean, just a few things you said, which were, which were really good. I mean, one, um, one was that, yeah, I mean, sometimes people are very, I mean, I'm not the greatest preacher in the world, but sometimes people are very complimentary. And a lot of times those people who are very complimentary of the sermon, you know, of, of the sermon that I preached, um, maybe they're just kind, complimentary people. But some of them are, uh, you know, as you get to know them, uh, you see, you know, they're, maybe they're coming from church traditions to where they're not accustomed to hearing the word of God truly exegeted. In other words, you're you're taking what's in the Word of God and you're bringing it out and you're bringing it to bear upon people's lives and you're you're really you're really digging deeply into the Scripture rather than cherry picking verses here and there 
and um, and just giving you know warm stories and and I mean you're getting deep into the heart of people's lives and really that's the work that's that is the work of the Holy Spirit working through his 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 word and using a mere man to bring that word to bear upon people's lives and so so I mean I, I think it's important for the preacher just to take that that the compliments that a person that he might receive and just remember like just compelling to return praise to God because that's really the word of God doing what it's designed to do in people's hearts and I think when people particularly come from church traditions where they're not accustomed to hearing sound biblical exegetical uh, preaching in that regard it's it's uh, you know it, it's it's new and can be very refreshing and 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 delightful to the soul when they hear that but to launch into a second thing that you mentioned um you, you mentioned that uh, you know a lot of people go into ministry uh, because they they want to preach they want to preach the word and maybe not maybe not all but but you know a lot of people do i think in a reformed tradition i mean i i'm thinking back to the the, the days of being in seminary i mean i there everybody wanted to preach the word <laughs> uh-huh. and and uh i i think the reason why is because in the reformed tradition we so highly value that right i mean you, we highly highly value the proclamation of the word because it, i mean and that that's expressed even in the architecture of our churches i mean where where is the pulpit it's it's usually right smack dab in the center um and it is it is uh, in the center to display that the word of God is central, and typically in Reformed churches, at least historically speaking, it hasn't been a, a music stand that they preached off of, or or standing at a stand up table as if they were at the the local pub. But it's but it's a but it's a substantial pulpit, and not because we're arrogant or we like giant pieces of wood or we like ornate furniture or we just have all this money to spend on on beautiful things it's 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 fundamentally sending a message to the congregation in even in the architecture that the preached word of god is is really really central here and it's central to our growth in grace it's central to discipleship it's central to the ways in which god draws people to himself and brings them and regenerates people in the first place so that preaching of the word of God is is just so vital for the souls of of um, God's people and even for the lost. And because that's the case, uh, that ought to in the listener to 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 the one sitting under the word of God to attend to it with diligence and sobriety and uh, attentiveness. Yeah, definitely. So some just to keep keep uh, adding to what we're saying. I had a, a preaching class with Brian Chapel when I studied mm-hmm. at Knox. They brought him down to Florida and mm-hmm. he had some statistics and I'm just going to make them up because all statistics are made up anyway. But, uh, <laughs> you know, like we, we all want our, our sermons to be hurt, to, mm-hmm. to be remembered. You know, we put all this work into them. And, mm-hmm. and uh, by the way, I, now that I preach every week for a few years, I don't even remember my sermons. Oh <laughs> yeah, just, I know. I know. You just right. go from one to the next. 
When, mm-hmm. when I was only preaching like eight mm-hmm. or 10 times a year, I could tell you what I said in every one of those sermons, but mm-hmm. now I, I can't, you know, I was like, right, did right. I say that? Yeah. Um, but you know, he said like, what are people going to remember from your sermon? They're going to remember, uh, usually I forgot if it was the opening illustration or the closing illustration, mm-hmm. and they're going to remember the thing they disagreed with, you know? Yeah, um, right. And right, so right. it, that is sometimes disheartening for the, for the pastor, but, um, what, what I've recognized is well, what he said was though, but don't be so hung up on whether, what they remember or not, because the sermon and the preaching of the word is the redemptive moment. It's mm-hmm. a moment. Now, of course mm-hmm. we want people to retain or whatever, but if it, this is truly a means of grace, even if they leave it and they can't articulate what you said, they were fed and received grace by faith, because that's how ordinary means of grace work. You know, ordinary means of grace are, you know, a means of grace are a means at best, I heard somebody say once. In other words, it's just a means. They're not themselves the grace, but in as much as they're, they're uh, done in faith, received mm-hmm. by faith, we get grace. And so hearing the word read, and I think you mentioned this in a previous podcast about the reading of scripture and then the preaching of of the word is redemptive as we receive it by faith and i think i I think i've said this before also but every sunday my family we talk about the sermon because uh i I get home we eat lunch together and what would you guys hear in the sermon let's talk about it you know and and for me it does a couple things one is it helps me just see i mean if my kids can understand it than anybody can understand it because they're kids. Well, now they're right, teenagers, right, right. but we've been we've been doing it for years. Uh, but it also makes them better listeners. Mm-hmm. And so often now, more and more, they're saying things about the sermon that I never said. And some people might think, well, that's not good. And I'm like, no, that's the word of God. It's it's relevant, it's meaningful, and you oftentimes I wish I said it. In other words, the word of God, that's how the means of grace works. The spirit works. It's, it's, they hear a word and they're able to make their own interactions with other scriptures. Now they're able to apply it in their life. And they're saying, it's like when you said this and that's this and that's that. And I said, you know what? I didn't say that, but I wish I had, but that's the spirit at work in you. You know, I am so glad you mentioned that because sometimes when I listen to preaching, and I'm sure this happens to a lot of different people, what they'll do, I mean, I'll hear the preacher, I'll hear the, the some part of the sermon, and it, and it, all of a sudden I latch onto that, and my mind starts going off into um, a certain direction, right? I mean, and I start thinking about something in my life applying to it, applying it, or I end up thinking about another passage of scripture, or I think about a, a number of different things, but, but they're, but they're pertaining to, to what I've just heard preached. They're not, right. I mean, it's not for, so for instance, it's not like I'm here. Like if I hear, if I hear the, the word preached and then my mind starts wandering off into last night's football game, that's a completely, that's, that's different. Okay. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about sometimes the mind wanders off into, uh, to, to thinking about some particular application of that to my life or to the world or to someone I know, or to to something for uh, that I I need to be repenting of or that I need to be 
thinking about and and attending to more more deeply and and I agree with you, I think that's the spirit's work, and so I mean they may think that you said something that you didn't say, but it's kind of a it's kind of all interwoven in there that I think that happens to people that's very you know that's that's very natural um and the spirit the spirit can can use that of course we want to att- be as attentive as we can to the preaching of the word but um i, I don't I, I would hate for people to feel um a lot of guilt over over that because sometimes the spirit works that way well yeah i mean to be able to say it in their own words and then right. connect connect cross references Mm-hmm. to other places in the Bible that I didn't reference, but they're able mm-hmm. to do that. It's like, good. When we pray, like, you know, sometimes we often pray like, you Lord, let, let anything that is not from you just fall on deaf ears and praise God. They're thinking of the word and not, and not me, you know, I mean, right. my, my, my son told me, my younger son told me, he's like, dad, you know, when you said this and I said, yeah, I remember. He's like, that reminded me of, of the verse that I memorized last year. And I'm like, what was it? And he goes, and he thought, and he just rattled this scripture off that he, he had memorized in school. And I'm like, that's exactly right, Ash. That's what, that is the work of the Holy Spirit right there. Amen. That the, is the work of the Holy Spirit. Oh. But you didn't say that in your sermon, right? I mean, and, and you never maybe even alluded to it, but it led him to think about that because he's got in his soul the, these, these connecting, um, these connecting thoughts. And there, there's, there's some, there's some depth embedded there that he's starting to make the connections to. That's a sign of a growing Christian, right? That's a and, sign and, of... and I, yeah, and I just used that moment to encourage that in him. I said, "Do you see how you see now? You memorized the scripture a year or two ago, and because every year they memorize a number of them, and uh, and then the Lord, the Spirit, draws it to mind. Yeah. You know, it's like, and so that shows you the power of the word. It shows you the depth of the word, and then you took. So he took what I said from the word, applied it somewhere else in the word and then applied it to his own life. And I'm like, isn't that what we want from preaching? And this kid's right. not even 30, he's 12. I know. And and listen, I mean, I am convinced that there is not a human being who's ever lived who who is worse at memorizing things than myself. Oh, right? no, you're the best, I mean, I, bro. No, I, I mean, you I put just... put me to shame. That, I, I'm, I'm just not good. It, it's that, very, it, very difficult for me. I mean, I have to work very hard at that. But the thing is, is that sometimes when I hear the word of God preached and particularly like what you're doing after, after the, the worship service and you're coming home with your family and you're discussing it, it what I've had in there that I can't, uh, you know, just right now spew off the top of my tongue, it comes out because it's there already. Right. right. It's like you've you've learned. Um, I mean, I used to ski when I was when I was uh, younger, and I remember because we lived close to the mountains and so forth. And I remember like first learning to ski. It was like, I mean, how am I ever going to learn to ski without killing myself down this mountain? And I haven't skied in twenty years. But I bet, but I but then I started skiing all the time, right? But I haven't skied in twenty years, and I bet you if I put on skis, I mean, it might be a little shaky at first, but I get the hang of it again. Now I'm forty-seven. I'd probably kill myself, but. At the same time, I mean, I'd get the hang of it, right? It's like riding a bike; it's there. It's, I mean, that the spirit has has implanted it into our souls, and that's a sign of a growing Christian. And I would, I just would, you know, just to to applaud what you're doing, George, and encourage other people to do the same. There, there's one of the best ways in which I think that the preached word can get embedded into our souls is a couple of things. Number one is the night before. We, we we go to hear the word of God on the Lord's day. Like, how about if you read it? <laughs> you know, just 
read over the sermon text. You're, you're, you're probably going to be aware of what that is. In a Reformed church, you're probably going to be aware of what the next upcoming sermon text is. I mean, we have emails and you know we're, we're going probably through a book and that's that's going to be ordinarily clear, right? So read it, pray through it, pray for your pastor, pray for yourself um, that that the God, that the Lord will will implant His Word in our in your heart and stir up faith. And then afterwards, I think that's a great thing to do with your family, right? I mean, sit down and talk about it. What did you hear? What what particularly struck your attention? Um, and, and if and, your family, like like in my in my home when we started doing, see what happened was, you know my story a little bit. Like I was the executive pastor and and. Mm-hmm. Then I became the interim senior pastor, and suddenly I was preaching every week. And uh, the family would leave church. I would leave later than them because I had a lot of people I needed to talk to, and I often would go to my office and get organized. I'd come home when they had already eaten lunch. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I, I just said, you know, can you guys, can we wait and do family lunches again? You know, and it's like, and then we'll talk about the sermon. And so the first times, they they didn't have, you know, they were embarrassed to share. They didn't have a lot to share. And so then before the sermon or before worship, I would just say, remember, we're going to, we're going to talk about the sermon at lunch. And so maybe jot down some notes or some key in on some points and it makes you a more attentive listener. And I will say, and, and to be honest, like there was, I think my family felt some pressure from that, you know, but it's because it's been a routine now for three and a half years. Mm-hmm. It's uh I just see the Lord at work in them. So I, I don't know how much pressure they feel. I mean, but, um, but yeah, I love what you said about reading it the night before, because my, my pastor at my old church, he used to have a Bible, a men's Bible study on Friday mornings where we would go over the sermon text on Friday morning. And we'd get a little bit of insight into what he was thinking of how he was going to preach it. But he was also then taking input into, uh, you know, what we were saying. And I noticed the weeks I would go to that, the sermons were so much more rich because I was prepared for what was going to be said. I just didn't know all the ins and outs of it, you know? And so absolutely. I think that's great advice, Darren, like read the sermon the the day or night before. And, uh, and, and when you, when you go into the, the preaching of the word, it's going to be so much more rich to you, I think. Yeah. I really think so. I really think so. I mean, one of the things we do is um, on Monday and Tuesday, there are a couple of different groups in the church and we just get together and discuss the sermon. So it's not really like, a, you know, like this small group's going through the book of whatever and this small group is going through that. It's just the sermon discussion. And I just benefit so much, whether I'm preaching or whether it's um, someone else preaching. I mean, I, I listening to how everybody else processed the sermon and and it it just embeds it more deeply and another thing i want to I, I would i would mention sort of along the same lines with all of this is a lot of people will say well preaching you know it just doesn't always do that much for me because i, mean, I can't remember it I don't, I don't it's you know hard to to sustain attention over the course of 30 40 minutes and and uh, you know i just don't i don't remember everything that i that I hear and and uh, I would say, well, yeah. I mean, I don't either. <laughs> I don't. I don't remember. I don't remember it. I, I also don't remember what I ate, uh, you know, for dinner, you know, last week, last Thursday night. But I remember that I I did, and it 
fed me and it nourished me, right? <laughs> you know, and the thing is, is that it, it's exactly what, um, it's exactly what you you said earlier. The passage that uh, that that you mentioned, where man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, and faith comes by hearing the word of God. And so there's something that just happens as we develop the habit of attending to the preaching of the word, the habit of reading the scriptures, you know, individually, which we'll discuss at another point in time. But um, just hearing the word of God preached Lord's Day after Lord's Day, that the that the Lord is feeding us. And no, we don't we don't remember everything. I mean, you you preach. I preach. And you're, it's exactly right. It's funny that you say that because I don't remember. I mean, I don't remember. I do not remember the three points from the last sermon that I preached. Yeah, I don't me, remember. Me it. neither. Me and, neither. And, and so, <laughs> but, you know. I know it, the theme it, of what I said. I know, the, you know, I know the, I know the flow of what I said. Right. I mean, but, I remember. But I, a month ago, I won't remember what, you know. But, but that's okay because it's because it's you may remember more than you think you do when when you know the pressure comes on and it needs to come out but um you, nonetheless it it's the the word of god we have to trust god's word that that he says the word of god does not return void and so if that's the case then there's something that that is going on in the soul of the repentant person that uh, the, the person who knows Christ, that, uh, that 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 word is actually growing and being cultivated by the Spirit, even though we don't remember it. So let, yeah, so let, yeah. let's talk about uh, let's talk about that verse. So it's quoted in the New Testament. It comes from it comes from uh, from Isaiah fifty five. Um. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and it shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. And this is what I've told recently the congregation about that, because sometimes they're confused about that. Well, if it's not going to return void and I and I spoke the word or you preached the word and this person didn't respond to it, isn't that void? And, you know, we're Reformed Christians. We understand that the word brings both grace and judgment, you know. It's uh, it it does both, and we don't we don't like that. But you know, Jesus in in John chapter five says, uh, I had it here. Let's see. Uh, I'm gonna try to help you out. <laughs> yeah, John chapter five. Okay, truly, truly, uh, John John five twenty four. Uh-huh. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He who does not mm-hmm. come into judgment. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. So there he's saying his word brings life. But in John 12, mm-hmm. he says, the one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. And so there's there's always a dual effect. And we we even see that, you know, in the Exodus, right? The word that 
rescues the children of Israel, hardens Pharaoh and the Egyptians' hearts. So we may not like that, but we have to be secure in the fact that it's not our word, it's not our work, it's not our effort. It's the word of God going out and doing what it pur- what he purposes to do with it. And mm-hmm. that should be freeing. But of course, that's also, you know, we read that the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing right. between bone and marrow. And and it, in other words, it's getting and it's discerning and it's it's prying. And, and what happens is that either brings some people to repentance or it hardens some people. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think too, like church discipline in, in the informal sense where we're just trying to speak truth into somebody's life as a, as a pastor and some people like with soft hearts and, and, and have soft hearts and they see the error of their ways, maybe like a David, mm-hmm. when Nathan brings to him the truth and it, it he breaks down, you know, it, it, it's, yeah. it, 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 it pierced between, you know, bone and marrow and, and then other people like a Saul or somebody else, what does it do? It hardens them. <laughs> yeah, right. The same, um, the same type of word. It accomplishes its purpose either way. Yeah, right. And and mm-hmm. even that hardening, that judicial hardening, may be, if the person is a Christian, is for their good. It just may mean that they're gonna their their sanctification and their life is gonna get a little hard until they come to that place of repentance. But it's it's always going to accomplish whether for the believer or the unbeliever what the Lord wants it to. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's exactly what it is, and and you know one of the one of the great reformed um, confessions. I think it might um, maybe it was maybe it was one of the, like maybe I think the Second Helvetic uh, Confession says that the, it actually says that the preaching of the Word of God is the Word of God. Now that is mm. that is a um, that's a that's a bold <laughs> statement and one that I think that the knee-jerk reaction would be to disagree because, you know, as, as preachers, you and I are mere people. We're not, we're not inspired. We're, we're not the apostle Paul. Okay. Like we're not, we're not speaking with revealed authority as if, you know, we can add to the scriptures and what we say ought to be taken as, as, um, you know, canonical as as the inspired and errant word of God. But the but the reason why that confession says that the preaching of the word of God is the word of God, which is consistent with a lot of what other reformers held to as well, is that when the when the word is is rightly communicated, uh, when it is rightly communicated by the preacher to the congregation, then what the congregation needs to needs to understand is that what they are hearing is God's word. They're here they're hearing they're hearing the word of God brought to bear upon their life. And so I think that we need to 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 take it with that level. Like we, we gotta approach this is this is what and we talked about this in an earlier episode. Just the just our whole approach to worship. That there's a there's a there's a casual tilt in our culture at this particular point in time, and it's manifested in what what we wear and how we how we just our general approach to life. There's just kind of a a more casual approach to things. 
Not all of that is bad. And again, we need to remember that we're approaching God as a loving father. We can approach him as our Abba father. He's imminent. He's near to us. He's tender. Uh, he becomes like one of us. Um, how, however, you know, we're, we, are, we are sitting under the very word of God when we, when we hear it preached. Mm. And yes. so to approach that as with the with the same disposition that we approach you know watching the game or attending to uh, a, a, a you know watching a movie or or hearing a hearing a stand-up comedy act or something like that it's it, it, it would be it, it it's it's irreverent and it, I think it's even it's sinful to approach the the preaching of the word in it with that disposition i mean you're listening to god you're listening to the word of god and because that's the case i i just i just um it it's just unwise and i think and you know ungodly to approach yeah I think, his word I, in such a manner i think you're right i think you're hitting on like the the casual nature of People think church is just like everything else, and they're getting life tips there. They don't realize there's a redemptive, spirit-empowered, spirit-driven, Lagos moment you're experiencing. Mm -hmm. You know, God speaks, and things happen. His Word is, is, is active, and then He the word becomes flesh. His word is embodied and lived out. Like the word is not just something on a page, you know, it, uh, it's, it's the very mind of God. I, so, um, absolutely. And I think that also says we need to, again, like the, the office of pastor elder, I'm not looking for any kind of honor, uh, or anything like that, but there is a sense where when people approach the, the preaching of the word the way you just said, and, well, the pastor was on today or he wasn't on, or I don't like this pastor as much as I like that pastor when he preaches. It's like whoever is in the pulpit, if in as much as this is a, it's a real church, right? Mm -hmm. Whoever is in the pulpit on a given moment is who the Lord has there to bring his word to his people, and you need to receive it, you know? And, mm -hmm. and um you know, that doesn't mean that the pastor can't do the work. I mean, we all put in our, our work and, um, yeah. So I, I, right. I, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And this, and this is why in our, you know, in the form tradition, we've always highly valued ministers who were well-trained in the word. I mean, that, that were, we didn't just throw anybody who had a burning in their bosom out to the, to the, to the hinterlands to start a church and, and, a you know, and a, and a good godly zeal to see the gospel extend. I mean, we, we the, this is the the word of God. It's to be it's to be handled. It's to be handled well. And you know, we, you don't you don't simply because there's a need throw a um, a first year med student out to perform surgery on on people, right? I mean, because because what will they do, right? I mean, the the most the most dangerous the most dangerous uh, minister in the world is someone who's taken one year, you know, like a semester of seminary, but thinks that they're ready to go, or or the 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 person who, yeah, I went to. I went to med school. I went. To, I took a year of law school, so I can give you some legal. 
No, I mean it, it, we it, we we want we want our ministers to be to be well trained in the scripture so that the the the, the people of God will be well trained in the scriptures. They'll know the word of God. They'll be able to go home to their, you know, to their children and and their spouses and amongst their parents and into their workplaces and amongst their neighbors and to be able to live faithful Christian lives and to be able to see the world with the through the the lenses that God sees the world and and really lean into the sovereignty and the goodness of God when their their flesh and their heart fail, grounded in the scriptures, not just in a in a pipe dream or because they heard a good pep talk. I mean, they we we want people to know the word, um, and that's why we value those things. Right, right, and that's not. I mean, is is that just you uh, being legalistic, Darren? <laughs> Probably, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> Second Corinthians, I mean, mm-hmm. Second Corinthians, Second Timothy two fifteen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, that's I mean, the PCA, and I think that's what attracts people to the PCA who aren't even reformed, but they hear the word preached, even mm-hmm. even among preachers that aren't known as you know, great public speakers or whatever, they, they, people come in and they hear that man just spoke truth, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Paul talks about that too, that he didn't come with, you know, eloquent lofty words. And that's hard to believe when Paul says that, cause you read Galatians and Ephesians and you're like, that sounds pretty awesome, Paul. But, you know, he, he apparently there was a plainness to his speech that didn't match the current rhetorical methodologies of the of the greek philosophers or something and it was just the truth of the word that was being communicated that was attracting people to it or making people want to stone him again sort of this dual response you know well but that's what the word ought to do right i mean if 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 uh a person can sit very comfortably in a church under the word of god and also comfortably in their if they can sit very comfortably in a in a church somewhat regularly and also sit very comfortably in their sin then you know it seems it seems like it seems like something's off there either the person is just you know going through going through certain motions um that they that they just do by virtue of some kind of obligation or something going on in there or 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 they're just not really the 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 scriptures aren't being applied to them in such a way that it convicts them of their sin and assures them of the hope in christ to where uh, they're either repenting and turning to christ or they're saying this church is just you know totally not for me (laughs) so it it seems like at some point it ought to it ought to bring the person to a place to where there's there's a there's there's a there's a discomfort that leads them to Christ or a discomfort that leads them away from the church entirely. But to be in this kind of neutral uh, place indefinitely, um, it, you know, it's it's it, it, there there could be things going on with the individual, but there could be it could be just that the the preaching is very weak and not not 
hitting the heart. Right, right. And so we are, uh, I think we're at a point to wrap up. And mm-hmm. uh, I feel like you said earlier too, Darren, it's like we we didn't really get to like the personal reading of the word and your devotional mm-hmm. time or for yourself. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe we'll be doing a series on that. And so my my final word is, you know, I think of like how the confession describes saving faith. It's resting and receiving uh, from Christ alone for our salvation. And I think we have this paradigm in American society or just maybe it's just part of the human condition to want to do and to be driven. And And corporate worship is a time where we come Yes, we sing. Yes, we pray. Yes, we praise. But we we are coming to rest and receive. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that consumeristic, we, we don't want a consumeristic mentality, but we are telling you to come and rest and receive. And so some people will say like, well, you're just there consuming in worship. What are you doing in worship? And I want to tell my people, I want you to come and rest and receive and be fed by the word and leave changed, refueled. Mm-hmm for life. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's, uh, we have to see the word as that, as actually what, what scripture says, which is living and active. It's li- it's, it's God breathed. And we have the privilege to sit and receive that breath. And so right. um, that's my, uh, that's my final take there. Good word. Well, thanks for listening today. We're really glad you could join us and look forward to seeing you next week on Grace to Stand.